Welcome to the Tash Show Podcast. Seems like a lot of people are worried about the sex ed curriculum here in Ontario. Devin, this story seems strange to me. Like, what's what's the issue with the sex ed curriculum? The issue is some of the content and the age kids are learning it. So they're talking, they're learning about uh, gender, learning about sex, learning about uh, your body at what some consider to be very young ages, even though you look at kids today, you know, eight, nine years old, they know probably more than parents think they know. Well, yeah, the internet. The internet. Will teach them if their parents or teachers do not. The other issue I think that kind of gets lost in all this is the new curriculum has been in place since 2015, and have there been any issues with the curriculum like parents one of the problems parents had was they didn't feel they were consulted enough when the new curriculum was brought in fair enough but now that the new curriculum is here and we've seen kids have a couple years in it are there still concerns from from the what they've been taught i thought it had what died down in? considerably over the past couple of years but now doug ford is he's introduced an interim curriculum, so stop teaching the old curriculum and teach this new transition curriculum until they get everything fixed out. And if teachers are caught teaching the old sex ed curriculum, there's a, uh, a snitch line that parents or students can call to rat out the teachers. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> this is crazy. And, and you know what's nuts? The... The snitch hotline that Doug Ford has set up, it's just one number off from the FM 96 studio line. So all morning we've been getting calls. Look, the phones are ringing. I bet this is one now. Hello? Hey, I got one. A teacher just taught my son what a blumpkin was. He's a great four. You're calling FM 96. This is a radio station. Jeez. (laughs) Frustrating. (laughs) I learned what a... Listen, we don't need to get into that. That's not a curriculum we need to cover this morning on the show. I was grade six when I learned that. (laughs) (laughs) What is the punishment? If a teacher gets ratted out and they're teaching the old sex ed curriculum, what is going to happen to them? From what I was seeing, Ford wasn't being extremely specific. I I, I have some teachers who are are friends on my Facebook, and one was saying she might need to set up a GoFundMe account to pay for fines and rent when she gets uh, punished for teaching. Because she was saying she's in Toronto. She was saying she's planning on teaching what the curriculum was in 2015, 2016. So there's year. a number of teachers out there saying, no, I'm not switching no, over. I'm staying with what I am. And even in Thames Valley, the board has said, you know, we're sticking with what we've been teaching until there's a new curriculum. So even in terms like the teacher, they're in a tough position because do you listen to the school board? Do you listen to Premier Doug Ford? The education minister has been uh, very inconsistent on her messaging in terms of what she wants the curriculum to be. So the messaging from the government has not been clear. Sex ed curriculum in schools, hot topic right now. And the best way for parents to express their frustration isn't with the snitch line. I think it's with music. Grade one, two, three, four. I've got a son, he's in fourth grade. At the table last night, I don't believe what he said. When an egg is fertilized by a sperm, a fetus grows until it reaches full term. 
Show podcast. Time for sports. Peacock's back, and we're talking football. I'm leaning towards the Browns. I think I'm jumping aboard. The Brown bus to Cleveland. What about the? uh, Yeah, it sounds a little uh, disgusting. What'd you do last night? Took the Brown bus to Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) Eating breakfast. What about the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, they'll be my second favorite, and the Lions will be my third. It's just wrong. You're talking old bandwagon Taz here. The uh, the Browns. We were talking yesterday about how they are the hot pick in Vegas. People want to bet on the Browns because they're sixty to one to win the Super Bowl. yeah, that's a pretty good payout. The team is better than it was last year, which isn't hard since they didn't win a single game. And another reason I, I'm thinking about cheering for the Browns is I'm really liking the uh, the offensive line coach, old Bob Wiley, there in Cleveland. Uh, they're doing Hard Knocks, the the documentary behind the scenes documentary series on the Browns, and this is uh, offensive line coach Bob Wiley. Ranting about how stretching is for losers. Stretch is way overrated. Did you know World War One, World War Two, all those guys that fought in that war? They did push-ups, jumping jacks, sit-ups, climb the rope, and ran. But none of this fancy shit, okay? Right? And they won two world wars. Two world wars by doing jumping jacks, push-ups, and sit-ups. Two world wars. You think they were worried when they're running across Normandy about Stretching? Are you kidding me? Uh, a few people might have huh? pulled a hammy. Well, let me see. Give me my rubber band so I can stretch to run across that beat. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, I love that ridiculous logic. They didn't stretch at all. They won two world wars. <laughs> We're trying to win a football game here. We should be able to do it without stretching. There's no difference at all. Those rubber bands are stupid. <laughs> 
And if you look at this guy, he looks like uh, Wilford Brimley's <laughs> couch potato brother. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, he does look like a man who has never stretched in his yeah, life. Yeah. Well, he's, his, his stomach has stretched quite a bit. <laughs> but other than that. What a beauty. <laughs> I love, there's nothing more I love. I don't know if I love it is the right term, but Americans talking about how they single-handedly won both world wars, and they bring it up at any opportunity they can. They won the world wars. Uh, Canada didn't help at all. It's not, <laughs> or it's Britain. Not, it's not like Canada was there first, and we just came in right at the end and took all the credit for it. <laughs> we didn't need to stretch. You didn't need to stretch because you were barely in either war. How do you become anti-stretch? Like, what happened in your life where you're, you don't want to just... Maybe because he can't reach his toes? I can't even like- see my toes. You want me to stretch down and touch him? Give me a break. What is this, Vietnam? Look at all these uh, these elites, these Democrat Hollywood elites with their Pilates and their yoga. I ain't stretching for nobody. <laughs> nobody, you hear me? Not even Hitler! <laughs> you know, I did hear they did do a lot of stretching in Vietnam, though. That's why... That's why they lost. That's why they lost. <laughs> Came back in shame. Mm. World War One, World War Two, all those guys that fought in that war, they did push-ups, jumping jacks, sit up, climb the rope, and ran. But none of this fancy <laughs> okay? Right? And they won two world wars. Two world wars by doing jumping jacks, push-ups, and sit-ups. Two world wars. Today I learned stretching is fancy. <laughs> They'd only stretch when they'd bend over to pick up their uh, th- their best friend's arm because it was blown clean off. Fancy stretches. The only thing they tried to stretch was the Western Front, and how'd that work out for you, Germany? No stretching! The Tash Show Podcast. Kurt Cobain's widow, Courtney Love, was pretty big back in the 90s. She had success with her band Hole. She went on to star in some movies. Uh, Oscar caliber stuff like the people versus larry flint even so this story is hard to believe kirstie alley from cheers you know kirstie alley right? Of course. Yeah? yeah the brunette one <laughs> i think of her more as the weight watchers commercials now right yeah she yeah. did the weight watchers commercials after cheers kirstie alley is on the british version of celebrity big brother and she was sitting around talking with her celebrity housemates and she said, quote, I'm friends with Courtney Love. And this one time she asked me to dinner. And when I came, what's his name? Oh, my God. Elton John was at dinner. What's his name? It was only the four of us. So it was Courtney Love, Elton John, Kirstie Alley, and maybe Kirstie's husband at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So that's a, maybe I'd believe that. Courtney Love's a musician, Elton John's a musician, I could see them making a connection. Then there's this other time Courtney Love asked me over to her house for snacks, and Prince Charles was there. What? Prince Charles hasn't commented, um, maybe because he's he's hanging out with Billy Corgan and Courtney Love eating snacks, he's too busy. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> what? A, what? Uh, Prince Charles is on the couch at Courtney's Love's house playing uh, PlayStation or Sega Genesis. <laughs> uh, invited me over to her house for snacks, and Prince Charles was there. It really sounds like she's pandering to the 
British celebrity Big Brother audience. Yeah, it sounds like she's filling out a Mad Libs. Like, what what are these two people doing? Like, the most posh (laughs) human and the roughest gal, you know? Yeah, hey, you know, people on Twitter not buying the story. One person tweeted, I'm sorry, but Prince Charles has not been to Courtney Love's house. Another said, is this fan fiction about Courtney Love (laughs) and Prince Charles eating snacks? Who knows, man? It... It could be true, but keep in mind, this is also something that Kirstie Alley said on the British Celebrity Big Brother. I did drugs for about four years when everybody, you know, I was from, went through the 60s and most of the 70s and never did drugs. And then I did coke and it was all over, like for four years. <laughs> I went, oh my God, I'm going to do this every day for the rest of my life. Really? And then cut to two and a half years later, it just snagged my soul. Like just, I really nothing. It's just Kills your soul somehow. Prince Charles hanging out with Kirstie Alley and Courtney Love. You may want to take that story with a grain of coke. (laughs) But Jim, you'll like this. One of our listeners has sent us a conspiracy theory. Okay. Prince Charles and Courtney Love, Mark says, they may have been bonding over the fact that they both got away with killing their spouses. Oh, because they there's rumors that they both conspired to kill their lovers, yeah, right? Well, we've heard the the rumors that Courtney Love was involved in the death of Kurt Cobain, and some people speculated that Prince Charles wanted Princess Diana out of the picture as well. And mm-hmm. imagine that they're secretly high fiving. I can't believe we did it. And imagine. Kirstie Alley popping in for snacks <laughs> was what ripped the lid off of the the Scandal Pringles can. <laughs> hey, you haven't tried to kill your love. Get out of here, Kirstie Alley. Yeah, Kirstie, this is a private conversation. <laughs> There's no way that's true. It can't be. Or is there? <laughs> the Taz Show Podcast. Wanna see you peacock, you peacock, Time for sports. Devin Peacock is here. And boy, I really wish I started collecting hockey cards five years ago. (laughs) Well, uh, so I I mentioned this uh, Connor McDavid rookie card an hour ago. What the. the, Because one of the weird things about this is it's Connor McDavid. Yeah. And it's not. How long has he been in the league? Four years? Five years? Not long. About that. It's not like he's he's Wayne Gretzky rookie card we're talking about here. The thing is, this is an extremely rare. Cards only. It's one of only twelve that were put into production. So only twelve of these cards out there. They only made twelve, and it's a gold edition of the card. So I guess they have different levels and stuff. So and it's in good condition. It's in it's in near mint condition. Really, something that's three years old is near (laughs) mint. Well, it's pretty easy to you you if you don't put it into a casing right away. It's pretty. You put it into your pocket. It's pretty easy to, to. Twist up the sides. But if you're a card collector, then obviously you're going to put that card, knowing how rare it is, into a thing right away. Well, my so it's right now the it's it's on eBay. It's uh, selling the the current bid is twenty two thousand four hundred fifty US. That works out to just under thirty thousand dollars Canadian. But if you have this card and it's already worth almost thirty thousand Canadian. Don't you hold on to it for a little longer? Yeah, card market's pretty fickle, man. It goes up and down. But is it's that Connor true? McDavid. Yeah, you know, it's totally true. But sure, 
it's like anything. It's worth what whatever someone's willing to pay for it. Yeah. And who knows? In five years, maybe it'll be worth five times as much. Maybe it'll be worth two thousand dollars, couple hundred dollars. It's weird. So this one's three years old. I looked up what the most expensive um, hockey, hockey card, card of is, all that's time available. Uh, it's Wayne Gretzky's nineteen seventy nine OPC card, and it's only fifty thousand dollars. Wow! So that's the great one. And it's much older, like almost 50 years uh, old, and or maybe 40, whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> who cares? Uh, this one's already 22 grand? Half the price of the wing? It seems skewed. It seems like sell it now if that's what it's worth. Oh, 100%. I'd take the money now. Yeah. I'd want to keep it. Like, it, It's not like comic books. It's not like Spider-Man where they're going to make movies about well they might make a movie but you know it's not going to quadruple in value Here, here's what i to say here's Why? worst case scenario he hurts his back at age 23 and doesn't play the rest of his career in the nhl so he's kind of a lost case and then you just spent twenty two thousand dollars on a guy who played five seasons yeah, he fizzles out yeah even but to me, even if that happens, he's like he's still Connor McDavid. Like he's still there. There's the mystique around him, mm-hmm. and the thing that's driving up the value isn't necessarily his career. It's the fact there's one. There's only twelve of these cards out there. What if you want to put in a pool right now? <laughs> yeah. And all you need is so, nineteen grand. If someone said you can have a pool in your backyard if you give me that little piece of paper, I'd probably do it. It's a good reason to sell your Or card. you can wait. What if you get hit by a bus next week? Right? <laughs> While holding the card and the card is destroyed. So. You just never know, Dev, is what we're saying. Make hay while the sun shines, right, Jim? Yeah. And we've got a call here for you, Jim. What's your name, sir? Tom. Tom, go ahead. You're on with Jim Kelly. Hey, Jim. Hey, how's it going? Not bad, Jim. Pretty I good. See, I see you're saying that Kresge card is worth 50 grand. Yeah. That's his rookie card, right? 1979 OPG. Yeah, that's the rookie card. Yeah. My brother has like four of them. I have one. There's no way it's worth 50 grand. That's maybe what Beckett says, but there's no way you can get that. Like, I think they're selling, you could probably get one for like 1,500 bucks. I don't know where 50 grand's coming from. Here's a question, bro. What condition is it in? The mine's like really good condition. The, the, Near the mint. fifty grand one would have to be like ten of ten. Listen, like, all I know this is a this is BleacherReport dot com. Wayne Gretzky is arguably the best hockey player ever. Is that arguably? And his nineteen seventy nine OPC rookie card has normally been the highest valued hockey card out there. One with a high grade can fetch about fifty grand. Wow. So you might be sitting on a gold mine there, Tommy. Well, I mean, I've had it for a long time. My brother has four of them. And they're all like really good condition, like near me. So wait, you're telling me you haven't been curious enough to check this out online or do any research about what? Well, these no, we've always are? checked them. We've always checked them, but it was always around eight hundred bucks, and it was up to like fifteen hundred. It was never nowhere like over over even ten grand, not even close ever. Well, when I was researching this, at what was the most expensive NHL card out there? Too apparently. NHL cards are currently in a renaissance; like they're making a comeback here. So no maybe this is the time to look into it. Yeah, I guess it would be. Then Bobby Orr's has got to be way up there too. Then Bobby Orr's is uh, forty grand. It's the second most. The nineteen sixty six tops uh, rookie card, and yeah. then Gordy Howe's nineteen fifty one Parkhurst card is worth fifteen grand. Wow! You, you got any of those it. Bobby Orr's? <laughs> no, I don't have any Bobby Orr's now. Oh. 
I'll have to call my brother on those Gretzky's. He's going to lose it if he knows the worth that much. <laughs> if you sell those, call us back and let us know how much money you get for them. Most okay, definitely. Tom? I will, for sure. Yeah, awesome. Good luck. Okay, thanks, guys. Hey, I just want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Taz Show podcast. If you want more, subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. All the podcast places.